Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back on Black Canvas. This is season eight, and I'm just so excited to have an amazing guest here on the show. He's going to be our final guest for season eight, and his name is Doug Block. He is an artist from Houston, Texas, currently based in Los Angeles, California. Doug's sound is a unique blend of pop and alternative R&B with a rock sensibility. His work has been featured in Billboard magazine, the Huffington Post, Afropunk, Out Magazine, Idolator, Glad, Logos, New Now Next, Upworthy, Pop Matters, American Songwriter, Queerty, Blurred Culture, and many others. His Spotify counts over 1.1 million streams. His debut single, This Could Be Us, hit number 32, you guys, on iTunes, Hot 100 chart. The music video for the song, has over 1.3 million views, and his video for In and Out was nominated for Best Indie Music Video in 2018. Locke returned in Houston to film his music video for King, which has a strong anti-bully message and themes of self-empowerment and love. In addition to playing shows at legendary Los Angeles venues like the Roxy, the Hotel Cafe, Harvard and Stone, Dirty Laundry, Sassafras Saloon, and Borners. Locke has headlined Portland's Pride Festival, performed as a part of Live X Live's Music Lives On Festival, and supported Gavin Turek on the Good Look For You Tour. Locke made his debut at the legendary Viper Room on the iconic Sunset Strip with a sold-out show. He has also made televised appearances on KCAL, CBS, Morning Show Los Angeles, and Great Day Houston. Locke has recently released the Black Travolta EP and the Y EP, and his new music is coming soon. So we're just so excited to have our last guest of season eight here, Doug, on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm honored to be the closing out season eight guest. So thank you so much. I am just so elated. I, I love having new artists that I, I find um, online or people that I've reached out to. And so I was listening to your music. I was like, wow, I need him on this show. Like, I love what you stand for. And I also love that it comes from an authentic place. And I feel like with artists on the rise, you know, it's important for us to definitely support people in their careers. And so my whole thing is about excellence and people being themselves and sharing their experiences. And so, yeah, I was just in love with your voice and needed you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, that really means the world to me because I feel like one of the greatest gifts that we can have in this life is to start to uncover and discover our authentic self. And so the fact that that was a part of what you resonated with uh, really means a lot to me so thank you oh you're welcome and you guys so doug and i we kind of been keeping in contact for the last couple of weeks and so i sent him some questions that i thought would be really fun so if you're ready doug we're gonna go straight into them yes let's jump on in all right so the first one i have for you is in a chokehold so tell us about what went into the production and recording of this song yes okay so in a chokehold for me I think came at the perfect time. So I'm, I'm working on my next album um, and I feel like we are coming out of um, a lot of upheaval, a lot of shifts, um, you know, really from 2020 on it's, you know, the world looks very different than it did before. And I felt like um, with previous songs such as Why, I really want to speak on what was going on socially and politically and I also wanted to just have a little fun because I feel like we are now in this season where, you know, things are starting to click into this new normal. So I wanted, to, I wanted to write a song that I could put on with my friends that we could just turn up to and have a good time. And so I wanted to put that frenetic energy on a track. And I was like, you know what, we can talk about the heavy things, but also we can talk about just like dancing with your friends, getting a little crazy, getting wild. And I like the idea of, this sort of song that could be an anthem for you and your friends just put on, you want to just have a good night and bam, you know, we got you in a chokehold. That was sort of the energy of the song. I love that explanation. I feel like that makes a lot of sense and why I connect with that song. 
Now, dancing is not my strong suit, but I love to, <laughs> <laughs> but I love to kind of make it work the best I can. But I, I think like it's something like with music, like you can find what connects with you. And it's not about doing it for others. It's about doing something within yourself that makes you feel great. I totally agree. And I feel like um, there's no right or wrong. I feel like dance is just such a pure form of expression. And so, you know, it doesn't matter what, it's not about choreography. It's not about what it looks like, but it's about what it feels like. And I feel like also, even with when working with my producer, um, his name is Eric McNeely. He is a dear friend of mine and a longtime collaborator. When we started writing this song, I brought him some house references because I sort of felt that there was going to be this house resurgence. And I remember, you know, some of the house music that was around when I was a really young kid. And so it was really fun to bring in some 90s references. You know, Drake has been playing in the, ho- in the house space. Beyonce, my girl, you know, from Houston, Texas. So I love Beyonce. And as a disclaimer, I actually have to say, I actually wrote the song before Renaissance was out. So it was really cool to be working on a song in this sort of sound space and then to hear her next project and feel like, oh, are we in the same wavelength? You know, for me, that was just an awesome feeling. It really is in H-Town Down. I mean, I'm not from Houston, but I love a lot of Houston artists. I mean, we can talk about Megan Thee Stallion. Hey, ah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can talk about a lot of artists, but I love just music in general. Being from the South, being from New Orleans, which is a music capital, in my my opinion, there's so many different eclectic people and and experiences, especially like Jazz Fest and Essence Festival. There's just so much to do. So I love it. Love that. So I have a fun one for you. Can you tell our listeners um, more about when you played Perry and when you played Travis on on the show from scratch and then Shameless? Can you tell us more about your career in acting and what has been or who has been one of your biggest mentors as it relates to acting? Absolutely. Um, That's that's such a great question. I feel like one of the things that people may not know about me is um, I very much consider myself an artist and I always kind of considered the different fields, the different mediums, my kids. So it's like, you know, drawing and painting was my firstborn, my first love. Uh, Then came acting, then came music. And one of the things I love about being based in LA is both industries are here. So I'm able to sort of play in the different spaces. And so I actually, I moved to LA predominantly as an actor first, always had a love of music. Uh, But to be honest, I was shy. I was nervous. I feel like I didn't really have that path modeled for me in terms of who was in my immediate circle. Um, but to, to your question in terms of who have been my mentors with acting, I actually come from a family of creatives. So even though my dad is an attorney um, and my mom was an events coordinator, uh, my siblings um, are artists. So I've got, you know, we've got writers in the family, other actors, and that really inspired me. I think that my two sisters, I'd have to say, are two of my biggest mentors, Timby and Attica Locke. Um, they're both a little bit older than I am. And I grew up seeing them forging their careers in the arts, which growing up in Houston, Texas, wasn't something that I always saw. And so, you know, I I remember them moving to LA at a young age and sort of being bit by the bug and the inspiration. And I think that seeing is believing. And so in many ways for me, there was not a question of, can I do this? It was just, how do I do this? And I feel like um, my parents did a really great job of, fostering that creativity. So even if they didn't quite understand the the path, they never made us feel like it was unattainable goal. I mean, they told us we'd have to work our ass off and it's something you have to really dedicate to. But I feel like having that sort of emotional support from the family really laid the groundwork. And that actually kind of ties into my work as Perry and from scratch. So my sisters actually, Timby and Attica Locke, are the creators of the show from scratch. It's based off my, my sister Timby's memoir um, and my sister Attica's the showrunner. And it's such a beautiful story. So that was so deeply personal in the sense of it's a family story that was being brought to the world. It's such a profound love story. And having a chance to play Perry um, was so fun because even though I, I come from a family of creatives, we sort of, our work has sort of been in its own vacuum. And so to be able to be on set that was my sister's set. So I got to see them in boss mode, them running the set. You know, it's one thing to see their work, but I've never got to work with them in that way. And let me tell you, I could not have been more proud. It was just this out of body, surreal experience. 
And it also inspired me to just continue to step it up and say, hey, like, I can do this. I can, you know, I can push for the dream that I can't see yet. You know, sometimes I feel like we have these dreams that seem like they're so outside of us because they feel really big, but it was just this beautiful experience. And it, yeah, it left me um, deeply inspired and, and very proud. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Doug. And I do want to dedicate this episode to your family. So I think that would be a great way of paying homage to the support they've given you and also just their creative experience that they've allowed you to be yourself, but also to to play a character that really helps to shine a light into differences that we all have, but for people to really get to know more about you through character work. So if we can, I would love to dedicate it to them if you would like to. That That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I would love that. And and actually to, to your other question with playing Travis on Shameless, uh, that was so fun. So that came at the perfect time. So this is, you know, we shot that during COVID. We shot that in 2020. It was the first job I booked um, since lockdown happened. And so for me as an artist, that was such a, when I think back to how crazy that time was, I I remember just having thoughts that I never had before because already, you know, people famously say, you know, it's it's nice work when you can get it, but you know, it's it's a pretty challenging industry. And, and when all of that hit, I remember having thoughts to myself for the first time of like, you know, there may not be an industry to come back to. Um, and to keep sort of finding creative ways to show up. So be it through my auditions, be it through, you know, self-created at-home performances that I was doing during lockdown and to actually have a chance to get back on set and build community, even though, you know, we had all the protocols in place, you know, all the masks, all the, you know, the COVID zones, all of the six feet apart, even though we were still physically distanced, I realized how much I missed that creative collaboration and and I actually made some really great friends on that shoot who I who I still hang out with now. So it was that was such a gift. And I think finally I just want to say it was such a inspiration because I think they were on season uh, eleven. I think at that point, like the show has been going on forever. But you could tell they all loved their job. You know, all of the crew, the cast. There was such a great energy. And again, seeing is believing that helped me sort of see what I want to manifest for myself. Like one of my dreams is to have my TV family and just to really get into character through being on a series, hopefully that would have multiple seasons to really be to build that community, that family, and also that challenge as an artist to really tell that character story. I love that you said that because character building is something we kind of forget about with a lot of shows, because as you mentioned, not even just in Hollywood, but just in general, when it comes to indie film festivals or different series being picked up, it can be few and far between because there's so much out there as far as variety. But I love that you mentioned, hey, you want to develop that and hopefully be able to expand upon that character's, you know, life and being able to bring life into it. And I do want to kind of go back to what you said about music. I think music is healing. And I think that's amazing that you've been able to find that within yourself. No problem. So I want to go to my next question Thank for you. you. Style on fleek. So when it comes to fashion, who is one of your biggest influences, either a model or designer? And if you were afforded the opportunity to work in any major fashion show in 2023, what designer would you want to close out the show walking for? And how would that experience change? Oh, yes, that is a, that's a great question. So some of my biggest fashion inspirations, uh, Rihanna, I think Rihanna has just the sickest style. I think that everything is so effortless. She's always sort of reinventing things. Um, I love Naomi Campbell. I think just an icon, a legend. Alton Mason is such a huge inspiration. I think that just to see um, a black male model reach the heights that he's reached has been so beautiful to watch. And he's someone who I deeply admire. And it's really cool to see him getting into the acting space. Um, and then when it comes to designers, I, I love Vivian Westwood, rest in peace. Um, I love Saint Laurent. I, um, I love Alexander McQueen. Um, it, I think that for me, oh, of course, I can't, probably one of my biggest fashion icons uh, would be Lenny Kravitz. I mean, I think that man can do 
no wrong. Even when the internet tried to roast him with that large scarf, I was here for it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, but I think that fashion in general is just such a beautiful form of self-expression. I feel like, again, uh, me for me artistically, I think that the body is a canvas. And so, you know, it's another medium, just like painting or dance or music. Um, I feel like the way that we costume or adorn ourselves daily can have such a profound effect on how we feel and how we move through the world. And giving myself license to play with that has been a beautiful gift that I've sort of honed over time. Because, you know, I grew up in Houston, Texas, which is a pretty conservative environment. And so it's been really cool to sort of break through the status quo, break through these rigid ideas of what X person is supposed to look like or wear and do and just really do what I feel. Doing what I feel has been a great gift. And fashion has been a great way to do that. And I guess to to conclude the question, um, a dream show. I mean, if I could walk in a YSL show, that would that would just like hang it up. I'm done. I can retire. <laughs> like that would be the dream. I just think that there's such a beautiful um, link to music. I feel like there, you know, when you think of rock, when you think of rock stars, when you think of sort of that rock star, pop star style, I think of YSL, and I feel like they just encapsulate that spirit and that effervescent energy of rock and roll so well, but still in a elevated high fashion way. So I feel like that's probably my, my number one, but then I guess, yeah, if I want to get subversive Vivian Westwood, because I just love what Vivian does with proportions. And um, anytime I'm in London, I always pop into the store, even, even if I'm going to just look, um, I just, I'm always inspired by that. So I want to make sure I'm correct. Because I'm not that big on fashion, I'll make sure I'm correct. YSL is Eve Saint Laurent, correct? Yes, yes, Saint Laurent, yes. Okay, so I got it. All right, I want to make sure I was on. You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I love to hear that. I would think Tyson Beckford is another one too. Oh, definitely, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, Tyson is one where again I would love to just meet him, have a conversation. I remember just seeing his billboards um, and his ads um growing up and yes thousand percent thousand percent i love to hear that and you know one thing i love about tyson beckford especially during that time we talk about 90s models 2000 models you know it's it's a big thing when you talk about with music as well and i want to kind of relate that to just music in general you need to be able to have that longevity so is there one person in the music career maybe that you can tell me who's had a longevity in a career that you're like, wow, I can't believe that they're still killing the game, maybe 20, 30 years um, as far as music that you really admire? That is a, yeah, that's a great one. Um, I've got a few. Um, first and foremost, I think I want to throw out Prince. I feel like Prince had such an iconic run. And I think that Prince came and changed the industry for the better. Prince burst the door open. Prince made music that we had never heard before. Prince had a look we had never heard before. Prince had an essence and an energy that I feel like he channeled from an otherworldly place and gifted this, this realm with. And it was really cool to sort of see the evolution of Prince. Um, another one of Prince's contemporaries, you know, Madonna. You know, I know that some people have some thoughts about some of her antics as of late and, you know, um, I, I am a fan, but even even I can say, you know, sometimes Madonna will push in different directions. But, you know, she's about to do her, like, greatest hits tour like of 40 years of music. And, you know, just talk about a chameleon and, and the groundwork that she laid for some of the other pop, pop stars that we love. You know, um, Rihanna, you know, again, another sort of chameleon Beyonce. And again, I'm from Houston, so I, I've seen that journey since girls time since destiny's Child hit the scene and to see the beyonce that we have today i feel like that has just been such a journey and when i when i look at these artists who are able to adapt with the times but never compromise they're still authentically themselves they speak to what's going on they reinvent themselves and they're always sort of at the vanguard of not chasing the trend but setting the trend uh, that is, I think, the biggest inspiration because I feel like a lot of times, especially now in this age of numbers and metrics, and and I get it, you know, uh, everything is a business, so people want to sort of create a make sure they can sure to have a, a return on their investment. But 
as soon as you start trying to duplicate what you think is hot, because that's what the charts are saying in that moment, you're, you're killing your creativity in that moment, because I think the artists that really have that longevity have an awareness to the conversation that's happening in music, but they find a way to bring themselves to that. And that's something that I always want to continue to challenge myself to do. Um, because sometimes, of course, I can, I can, I can lean on those who have come before me for inspiration, but I also want to be a part of the conversation of what's happening now and what's going to happen and how can I filter in my inspiration through my own voice in the context of what's happening, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense, Doug. And I feel like you made a great point of just as we evolve in the music industry, we start to see how music is being streamed versus album sales versus single sales. I mean, things have had to change because of, you know, how people view music and even music videos now have had a huge shift over the last 20 and 30 years. So I'm just excited to see where it's going, but just also, I do miss, you know, there's a, you know, nostalgia when we think of how it was to stand in line to buy an album and to wait like months on end just to see if a single is going to come out with your favorite artist. And like I said, now it's it's easy to find it, but the issue we run into is like everyone now wants to be an, a major artist and it makes it hard for the music to be seen. It's, you know, we're so saturated with some of the same types of things that I love to see someone who's just doing something completely different and they stand out. And those are the artists I gravitate to because I want to be able to always have something to catch me off guard. I think Miley Cyrus is probably one great example of that. Like her new song flowers. I mean, come on. I mean, the song is just amazing. You think of we can't love stop. Miley. You think of, you know, wrecking ball. Like there's so many different types. Yeah. Yep. Adore you. Uh, uh midnight um, USA. yep yep i mean i can talk about her and many other artists like her one of my favorite artists is tori kelly everyone knows i talk about her all the time <laughs> yeah yeah she she's great. great and it's just like i want to see that i want to see someone who can evolve and do gospel and then do r&b and then do pop you know and play multiple instruments and just sing live i mean there's not yeah. enough of that going on and i just well, that's the, I mean, I mean, look, look okay, no, I, at the risk of sounding like an old timer, I, I, I feel a lot of what you're saying. And that's been sort of the magic I've been trying to capture for myself, because I know what that felt like growing up. And I feel like because the landscape is so different, uh, one of the things that I'm I'm still fighting to do is I, I, I love creating visuals. And, you know, a lot of music industry insiders are saying, you know, unless you're repped on a major label, there's no point in doing a music video anymore because, there's no money in it. It's not the same tool that it was before. But for me, it's such a beautiful artistic expression. I've been privileged to create a lot of music videos for a lot of my songs in the past. And it's been, I consider it another just part of the artistry, creating that visual world to go with it. And also tying in the acting side of it, if there's a narrative to the video, tying in the fashion. I feel like it's, it's a way to create sort of that evolution. Again, you mentioned Miley earlier. I feel like... Um, She's one that that really surprised me because I feel like I maybe misjudged her in the beginning um, or was a little slow to catch on. But to see, first of all, I think she's, she has an incredible voice. I think she is so incredibly talented. But I really love what she and also Willow Smith as well have been doing, playing in a more rock sound and creating this sort of rock resurgence. Um, it's been so inspiring. And she was one of the artists who I really looked to in 2020 when everything was flipped on its head she was and again you know yes she's repped by a major level and you know she's a very successful artist so she's got you know quite the budget but she was doing these backyard performances which she had been doing before that and to see the way she sort of used her creativity even when things were locked down and closed really inspired me to sort of step back and say okay even if I can't do things at the level that I was before at the way that we were before the closures and everything let's get creative. Let's, 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 let's throw um, the old rules out the window and let's get creative. And I think that that was so inspiring to me. And, and that's why also, again, live shows, that's why I love playing shows because I think like there's an energy that happens at a live show that cannot be replicated on a record, cannot be replicated on video. Like, again, I love a live concert video. I love an album. I love all that, but the energy that I, as an artist, get the feedback loop from from the fans, from the audience, and then also what it pulls out in me, it's ethereal, it's otherworldly, 
Um, and I think it is such a gift. And I feel like, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I love singing live. I love that it's, it reminds me of theater in the sense of every show is going to be different. You know, I feel <laughs> nervous like it's the first time every time, but I think that that's a good thing because it means I give a damn and it means that I care. And, you know, some shows are better than others, but the rush that I get from that, I just, it just, it excites me. And it, it really, I feel like that for me is like what life is all about. You're getting me excited. I want to see you in concert now. <laughs> for sure. I love that. Yes. Yeah, you know, I got to come to New Orleans. So clearly. Well, you know, the good thing is um, that's my home area. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana now, which is kind of the northernest part of Louisiana. But yeah, I lived in New Orleans for 20 years. So yeah. I had a great opportunity to grow up. That's my home area. And I, I haven't visited as often um, since um, Hurricane Katrina, but I definitely will get to a point where I want to definitely go yeah. back and just kind of see it a little bit more. But it's it definitely is always in my soul. I feel like the music, the people, the spirit that a lot of people from New Orleans have, they're the most real people you're going to like or dis or dislike. But you, you yep. one thing about us <laughs> is that we are very straightforward, but we do have love in our hearts. And so one thing about me is I always try to be as empathetic as possible. But I'm a very direct person. I feel like that helps me to build genuine connections because you don't have to question my intention. I'm just always about building genuine experiences. And like when you talk about energy, I always talk to clients and family and friends and everyone who knows me knows that I was talking about energy versus time management, that we have to be aware of the energy we're giving off or we're absorbing um, yes. versus just spending time because a lot of times it becomes more um, quantitative instead of qualitative or vice versa. And just being aware of, what you want to gain in an experience with a person. And so that's why I said when I decided to um, invite you on the show, I was like, I definitely know that he has a vision and a passion, but I can tell that your energy was right, which makes an interview a lot easier to have because it's more of just a getting to know versus, you know, investigating someone's life. And I feel like that's where a lot of interviews that I've listened to in the past, I'm like, oh, this just feels like we're watching it on the news. I want it to be fun <laughs> <laughs> Gerald I feel that and I, I really appreciate that um, and and I you know I'm from Houston so I have a, a large place in my heart for the community from New Orleans and you know we I think we get on very well we, we there's such a fabric part of the fabric of Houston's community because post Katrina there was such a, a blending of worlds um, and I have to just real quick sorry for a quick detour but I I've, I've really I've really been called to New Orleans for some time um, specifically for the reasons that you mentioned, the culture, the people, the food, the music. Um, I, I already have a concept for a music video that I want to shoot there. And also one of my favorite TV shows, just a, just a shameless plug right now, uh, Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire, the new series. And I loved the film, but the new series is so beautifully done. And I feel like it's such a love letter to New Orleans. Um, so I, I, I got to get there. I got to get back soon. For sure. And and I'll tell you exactly where to get all the good food. <laughs> oh, thank you. Absolutely. So I have a fun question. This is kind of off kilter, but I think it'd be a great question for you. So the question is why? So if you could ask God one question that has been on your mind, what would you ask? And how do you feel his response might change your view on life in general? That is an excellent question. Um, I... <laughs> I got to keep it real with you. Um, I feel like if I had that opportunity to ask one question, I think the the hardest thing as I get older to understand is um, why we have such suffering in in this world. And and I don't even I don't even mean me personally. I mean I mean things like war. I think I I mean you know children born with terminal illness. I feel like and and I do think that life is a beautiful thing. And there's so many gorgeous colors and moments and things to, you know, to live for. And I feel like there's, there's, life can be such a beautiful experience. And yes, I understand that you can't have the dark, the light without the dark and there's gotta be a balance. And I feel like, you know, there can be such mountains of just really beautiful moments where we as a society feel so connected and uplifted. Um, but I do feel like uh, if I could ask one question, um, it's something that, that I still have just a hard time and maybe it's because I'm empathetic and I, and I, I'm, I'm a sensitive soul, but I feel like, um, 
when it comes to things like war, when it comes to the prejudice that, that people can hold in their heart that can lead to violence, um, I think the question would be why? And if I were to get an answer, my assumption, I guess the way that I sort of try to make sense of it for myself right now, and I'm, I'm still in process, I'm still learning, um, I think that something would to be do something would be to do with it's for it to be a mirror for it to be a balance. Um, I, I again, I, I would never go so far to say that that anyone you know deserves these experiences, but maybe it's to it's for for what it does for the greater good of society in the sense of if we witness something tragic. Um, it's deeply tragic for the people who experience it, for their families. And I feel like, again, I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out why it happens. Well, maybe the why is in the call to action that it has, what wakes up in those of us who aren't experiencing that, but, but learn of it and, and feel forever changed by it. Do, do you follow that? Does that sort of make sense? It, it makes perfect sense because it kind of segues into my next question. But this also would lead to the question I would want to know about is, a lot of divisiveness that we do have. And so a question I created that I thought would be really good to talk about this is say their names. And so the year 2020, Mm -hmm. of course, we know was a year of loss, but it also was a year of connectiveness. We saw a lot of divisiveness across the country. We saw sorrow, but we've also saw renewed strength. And so there were many individuals, of course, we know who lost their lives during COVID. And then we saw what was called the Black Lives Matter movement, which was initiated around this time. So do you mind kind of defining to our listeners, what do you say is your definition of being a African-American male? And how has this definition in your opinion changed over the last 15 and 30 years? Yeah, another another great question. Um, I agree with you. I feel like uh, the year 2020 really um, shifted things in terms of this realm of existence and sort of what our collective consciousness has been feeling and experiencing and brought things to light. And, and, you know, you mentioned say their names. Um, I wrote a song called why um, that I'd actually started writing before George, George Floyd's murder. Um, because for me as, as a black male in American, African-American man in America, um, ever since Trayvon Martin, um, there's been this sorrow um, that has touched my soul um, many times, more more times than I'd like to admit, because it seemed like at one point every week, you know, every month we were getting a new hashtag that represented a life that was actually lost. And so for me, I, again, as I guess going back to the previous question, I, I didn't have an answer. And I just, I wanted to know why, you know, why is there so much hate in the world? You know, how can this happen? And so I wrote the song, Why? And for me, it was, it was cathartic because it was a way for me to channel what I was feeling into a song. And it was really important for me. I, sh- I shot a music video for it. And, and afterwards, um, there's a spoken word track called Say Their Names, where I just list the names of some of the victims of racially motivated violence. And it was really important for me to research every single one of them. Um, I found pictures when I could. And as I was saying the names, I visualized them. And the energy that I wanted to put into that track was just a a moment of silence, but also just beaming out love to their families just so they wouldn't be forgotten. Because these are people who lived, had dreams, had families um, whose lives were lost far too soon. And I feel like you know, who knows what their contributions could have been to the world. And so that was sort of the journey that led to that. And for me, again, that's, that's why I want to then later on do something lighter, you know, and uh, I can have a song called wine and um, say their names. We can also have a song about turning up with friends. I want to, I feel like that's the thing that I learned during the first few years of COVID. And I had an acting teacher, um, Julie Ariola, who's a dear friend of mine who would hold space for a few of her students and we would have these dialogues where we just sort of discuss how we were feeling emotionally, how we were holding this all. And she, one of the things she brought up was how we can hold space for both. We can, we can hold the deep sorrow, the fear, 
and we can also hold the joy of, you know, meeting your new niece that's been born or, you know, a child's laughter or, um, you know, laughing with a childhood friend, you know, it, it, life is both. And I guess to move forward into uh, what, what, what it means to me to be a black man or an African-American man, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is pride. Uh, I would define it with pride. Um, I associate with, with a rich cultural history. Um, I feel like the ancestors, I, 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 you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm grateful to be born into such a rich culture that is so damn resilient, so creative, so, um, I guess, I, I feel like Black, so-called Black people of the diaspora, you know, because of our history and the oppression that has been forced upon us, but we found a way to rise up throughout the years over and over and over again. And that to me just fills my heart with such pride. And I feel like um, going forward, how that definition has shifted and grown, especially for me personally, I I associate it also with freedom. Um, A big part of my journey as a Black person has also been to find my personal freedom free of anyone's definition, societies, be that greater society at large, be it even self-imposed um, definitions that we as community put on ourselves. I feel like for me, one of the beautiful things is to see how any labels, any rigid boxes of, of what it means to fit a certain identity, those lines are being blurred. And I feel like the space for Doug Locke, the soul is coming through. And a part of that soul journey is tied to this beautiful history and culture as a black man but also the freedom that we have yet to see. Um, and so I'm excited about that. And that's why I love artists like Little Nas X. I feel like, um, you know, he's such a groundbreaking performer um, and just artist and he's so free and it's, it's so beautiful to see that. And that's something that I'm continuing to, to chase in my work. And I, I feel like the trajectory of like, when I think of like some of my biggest inspirations, Prince, Jimi Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, they all were so free. And so that's, you know, George Michael, these, he's not a black man, but still just another artist who was so free. Um, those are artists who really, um, their work resonates with me. And, and I love rediscovering them um, as I get older and seeing them with different eyes and, and really diving into their catalog and seeing who they were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, so on and so forth. Doug, that was an amazing answer. I just really want to commend you for being able to speak not only your truth, but being able to speak for so many people who have not been heard. I feel like what you just said there just, you know, it really encapsulated a lot of pain and frustration that people felt, but it also shows us that if we can find ourselves in our experiences that we can grow and become better human beings. And so I really enjoyed that response. I think it was amazing. Thank you. So Thank I have you. a hard question for you. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to young Doug? Oh, young Doug. Um, I think the biggest I, uh, advice that I could give to young Doug, yeah. I would tell him to trust himself. To trust himself, to believe in himself, and to love himself even when he felt like this world may not love him or, or he may feel like he may not understand why he's going through some of the hardships that he's, he's enduring or why certain people are treating him in a certain way or, you know, or why certain systems are in place. If he can come back to a place of trust, belief and love for himself um, he will make it through. Um, and even, <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing is just that he is, he's got one hell of a journey in store for him that he can't see for himself yet. And there's gonna be times when he's scared. There's gonna be times when he doesn't believe it. There's gonna be times when it seems impossible, but he is in store for a beautiful ride. And so if he can just return to trust belief in self and, and love of self. 
I think that is just some sage advice that we all can take, even the older versions of ourselves. It can be hard for us to even believe that. But I think you said trusting, believing, also just receiving love and receiving the negative comments from others because you don't have to absorb it. I feel like yeah. that's where people get confused. They think, oh, someone said something bad about me and it has to change who I, how I see myself. No, that is a reflection maybe of what they see within themselves. And so, yeah. Gary, <laughs> so yes. I love telling people that. I'm like, yeah, you can say whatever you want about me, but my grandfather always told me it's not what people call you, it's what you answer to. Oh, I love that. That's, that's my phrase I live by. I've been living by that since a kid. He's like, you don't have to respond. If you respond to it with a lot of negativity and hate, then you're breathing life into someone else's belief system about what they thought was a version of you. But ultimately, when you look in the mirror and if you're able mm. to see clearly into your present and what you want for your future, we can create what we call, you know, superordinate or subordinate goals. And that's our short-term and long-term goals that we set for ourselves. And so I always tell people, I don't do resolutions. I create goals because, you know, it's important to have them. And it's also important yes. to believe and receive that that goal is going to happen in your life. And I feel like people get to the point where they, they lose sight of themselves. I use an example of that. And so this is going to be a little self-disclosure for myself. A lot of my listeners may not know this whole journey, um, but for a lot of people, you know, as far as it goes to test taking, I'm horrible <laughs> at test taking. I have the knowledge, the ability, all those things, but I used to have really bad social anxiety and then just anxiety in general, when a test would come, I would literally for my ACT, which this is a fact that most people don't know, but I went into a full panic attack before my ACT and I had to walk out, which impacted my score um, because I couldn't finish the test. And I still scored high, so high in one section that I was able to get scholarships yeah. and accepted to some really great schools. But I was so nervous that I was like, and I beat myself up. I'm like, why can't I just fought through it? And it wasn't about fighting through. I wasn't ready yet to receive the blessings and the great things that I have now. And looking at where I am today, I've written 12 books. I have three podcasts. I'm an LPC. I, I'm certified yeah. in trauma and grief. You know, I've been able to travel different places. I've built great relationships with people. Yes. And I always tell people, you can talk about yourself and it doesn't have to be bragging. It's letting people know that, you know, it took me a while to get to become an LPC. I didn't just get it the first time or the second time. I mean, it took a while, but that didn't mean that I didn't have the talent and the ability yeah, and the yeah. know-how or the, the empathy to, to help others. And I feel like when you have the right spirit, the right people around you, and you believe in what you want for yourself, you know, you can reach those goals. And that pinnacle of success is there for you because that road is not for someone else. It's, it's paved directly for you. And sometimes we have to crawl to get there. Sometimes we need someone to kind of shove us, kick us in the butt to get there. And then we hit dead ends. And so a dead end to me doesn't mean that <laughs> the road ends. It just means I have to create a new detour to get to another spot for me. And so I just want to encourage people, if there's anyone listening, especially our younger listeners, to know that it's okay to not know your answer. It's okay not to know your purpose. Because um, I think, I, I don't remember who said this, but online someone had mentioned, they said, when are you ever going to heal and, and get to the point where you move past all of your issues? And that person said, when you die is when you have that wholeness and completeness, but you don't have to carry the pain <laughs> with you in the same way. And, and I always like to tell people as a specialist with grief that I'm not a pain collector. It's not my job to collect everyone's pain. It's my job to allow you to carry your luggage and unpack it and leave it with someone who you can trust yeah. when it's time to leave it with that individual. That way you can, can feel such a sense of relief, but also a sense of, of self-worth knowing that you did the work, but someone was there to help you unpack some of those issues that you carry with you for so long. And sometimes you're going to have to give that luggage to someone else to carry. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It just means that you're learning healthy alternatives to dealing with life. No. Jeriel, thank you for that. First of all, you just dropped so many gems and I'm so glad that you're able to have this platform because there was a lot of wisdom and a lot of tools that you shared. Um, and congratulations on everything that you've got your hands in right now. And I think it's really beautiful that you're using your gift to pay it forward because I feel like what you said about the luggage, 
is is so spot on because you know we are we are tribal beings. It's all about finding our tribe in our community. None of us can do it alone, and that's something that you know I'm an Aries, so I can be a bit uh, a bit stubborn, a bit bullheaded, um, or ramheaded rather rather. But I feel like learning to lean on those around us. Um, I feel like that's again one of the greatest gifts when we can build community in that way because we we can't manage it alone. And I and I love that grief in particular is one of the areas that you specialize in um, because loss is something that's touched my family, and I've learned a, a, you know a bit about it over time. And it's something that I feel like we as a Western society don't talk about a lot or enough. And so then when you when it happens a lot of people are sort of left in the dirt or in the dust. And I feel like um, it's really beautiful that that is one of the areas in which you're using your gift to help people. So I just want to acknowledge that. I appreciate that. you so much. And I always tell people when we think of grief, we have to grieve our past self. And then sometimes we have to grieve our present self of the challenges we faced and the things we've told ourselves or convinced ourselves that are not true. And so I, I think like you mentioned, we have to be able to, to know what we stand for and also know what we're not gonna allow to enter into our being. And so for me, I'm, I'm a big person, like I said, with energy and, and being able to understand where I'm putting my energy. And I know I can absorb a lot at once, but it's not my job to do that. It's my job to actually set boundaries and consistent health and mm -hmm. boundaries for myself so that way, when I said it with others, I don't have to feel guilty because I decided to set that boundary for sure. Absolutely. And that, that to me is practicing self-love. Um, and that is a level of respect for yourself. Because, you know, I can tell you've got a big heart. I'm the same way. You, you, we want to be there for the people in our lives. But, it, you know, I always go back to the airplane analogy. You know, it really is. You know, you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others. And that, can, that oxygen mask can be your boundaries because if you're completely depleted or if you're carrying more than you can, you're not going to be in a space to show up in the way that you could otherwise. Absolutely. Doug, I'm so glad we got into that discussion. I feel like that's something we both need to, to remind ourselves, but also for people to hear and to know that they don't have to feel guilty for being strong-minded and setting a boundary. So I think that's really amazing that we were able to kind of segue to that for sure. So Doug, I only have two last questions for yeah. you. So I'm going to combine these last two. So the first one is, can you tell our listeners what's next for you? And the second part of that is how can they find you online? Yes. Well, I just want to take a moment to thank you because this has been so much fun. Um, and in terms of what can listeners expect next from me? Well, I'm very excited to say that I am releasing my next album, Phoenix, uh, late spring slash summer. And one of the things that I have in, in the works, and this is an exclusive, this is the first time I'm saying it, but we're doing a limited vinyl run. So I am so excited. I'm a big vinyl head. Like I've got my full vinyl collection. And for me, it's just, there's something so nostalgic about being a kid and my parents having records during the holidays and queuing up the record and putting on. So I, it's something me and my brothers have bonded over for many, many years. So the idea of having my next record on vinyl is huge it's a huge dream for me so i'm super excited um pre-sale is about to go live for that another thing we, you can expect is going to be more live shows so we'll be doing an album release we're doing more shows in la but i'm also in the process of trying to build out a few touring opportunities so i'm excited for that um and for those of you who i will not be able to visit your city yet i will be dropping more live performances on my youtube channel and then to close it out, where can you find me? Well, again, my name is Doug Locke. That's D-O-U-G-L-O-C-K-E. Uh, at Doug Locke on Instagram. My website is DougLockMusic.com. And you can find me on Spotify, Apple Music, all the platforms just under my name, Doug Locke. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And thanks for what, everything you do. Well, the pleasure is mine. I definitely want to have you back on one of my other shows. So I have a show called Space Between which is like live performing is very similar. It's like MTV Unplugged. And so I've never heard of a podcast that people record by phone like that. So I said, I want to start my own show right after COVID that I thought would be really cool for people to be able to sing and perform. So that will be one, hopefully in the future we can schedule. But the next one I think would be really great is having you on Embracing Our Love Marks. 
Um, and that's a show I host with Dorian Lake. And he was one of my guests on Black Canvas and he was on Space Between and we became really good friends. And so we talk about like self-love and discussing traumas and positive things that people are going through and ways that we can find ourselves and to be able to embrace what we call love marks experiences that we have and to continue to grow. So I will um, get with you hopefully if you have time um, later this year or if you want to do it sooner than later, just let me know. And I think it would be great for us to learn more about your story yes. and, and your family and to just continue to help support you. I think you have an amazing talent and that's not just in music and acting. That's the talent that you have to convey positivity and a message that I feel transcends and that people are connected to you based on your soul versus what you're saying sometimes. And I think that's amazing because if I can feel something from someone before they even can speak, just in the way that I feel when I'm around that presence, that means that you're giving off the right aura that people can connect to. So I want you to know, I think you're doing amazing things and just keep up the amazing work. Jeriel, thank you so much. I, I am like, this is one of those surreal moments where I'm like, so grateful that we have this interconnectivity that we have through the internet. I'm so glad that you were able to find me because I feel very much aligned with so much of the work that you're doing. And it would be my honor to appear on both of your other platforms. And it's just been so great just to chat with you and to get to know you. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And I will send you more of my information so we can keep in touch outside of the show. But I'm here for you. And when that album comes out, let me know. I would definitely be one of the first ones to buy and support because I believe in supporting artists and doing what they will love to do. So I, anyone who knows me knows I will support. So reach out to me and I'm there. I will. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And let's remember, you guys, to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. I thank you so much, Doug, for being our last guest on season eight. You guys look for season nine. We have some amazing artists and some people that you might know that's going to be coming back very soon. So I'm just very excited. And Doug, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. Thank you. You as well. Sending love and light. All right. Bye. Oh, yeah.